So, Mayor, we'll start off by by heading over to you and seeing what you got for uh, topics this week. Well, thank you so much. As eagerly anticipated, I'm sure, by anybody that listened last week, we took a little quick dive through my desk last week. And uh, since this isn't a visual medium, the, my fellow mentions get a chance. I actually piled more stuff in the background this week than I had last week. So it looks even more disheveled. I'll work on that in the next seven days. But your wife must be so proud. Now, yeah, she actually closed the door a moment ago. But as I was kind of thumbing through and kind of, you know, pre-screening some of these things, I would like to, I'll start off with this because in celebration, this is a rather narcissistic thing to be doing. So what a better item to have than this Greg Cody sticker that was uh, actually given to me by Yeti when we had our gathering. John, you were there too. So uh, that is a prized possession that I keep close by. Obviously, my awesome. Guillermo Mafia sticker is there as well. Uh, I have uh, I've mentioned him before. My my friend Butch Walker, who's a uh, was once Rolling Stone uh, producer of the year. This is a, an event I went with him, and it was like a sticker. I'm with the band thing. That's kind of interesting. I am up for re-election this fall. Not asking for anybody to send me any money or anything, but. My magnetic signs did happen to be sitting right here next to my uh, next to my desk. They were not in my desk. Uh, one of the other fine things that I found on my desk is this: a Sports Illustrated featuring one Trevor Lawrence says, "Too good to be true." Mm-hmm. And my other gem that I dug across here, I did. I forgot this was even in here because I have a few uh, memorabilia items, but that is a signed baseball of one Bobby Cox, Hall of Famer, two thousand fourteen. And uh, that was sitting in a desk. I have one. I got a longer Bobby Cox store. I'll share with you all some other time. I won't take up the podcast with that, but he personalized a baseball to my mother one year. And that was kind of nice when I had the chance to meet with him and spend 20 minutes talking baseball with him, just one-on-one. It was phenomenal. One of the things I do want to mention as we're done digging through my desk, do you save owner's manuals to things or do you throw them out? Schweitz, what about you? I think you're a saver. We just, we have a large bin in our basement on a shelf every storage manual we get for any product goes immediately in that bin as soon as it's ready and set up uh we just dig through and find if we need it so like ikea instructions owner's manuals um i think when we moved into the house the previous uh owners had a bunch of blueprints and things like that those are in the very bottom of that bin so we know we're at like anytime it's not organized at all they're just thrown in there but anything we need to find at any point warranty cards. They're all in that bin. Ant, what do you got? So first I was going to say, my dad used to have a file cabinet with every single owner's manual from anything. And he would have like categories like electronics, plumbing, washer, dryer, dishwasher, whatever, whatever, whatever. I used to have this big, long thing of just individual folders. I've gotten in the habit of when I buy something, the first thing you do is search for a product name, owner's manual. And if a PDF comes up, I throw it on your manuals in the trash because there's just no reason to keep that paper when I know I can find it online. If by chance I can't find it online, um, then I will keep the manual. But at this point, I don't think I might have two or three manuals from all the stuff I have because everything else you can find online in some way, shape or form. So I tend to go that route because I just don't have like additional space. I want to keep something like that. But I'm definitely from a family that used to keep everything. So it's always been really hard for me not to keep that. But like I said, I search it. If I can find it online, I say, you know what? I can go back if I need to. And that's where I go. John, you had a thought. Yeah, I, I have a similar bin to, to Schweitz. Uh, we call it the trash bin. But the 
Um, now, now that Ant's talking about it, I think I'm going to, in reality, we do open up the plastic, put it into a drawer. Um, most of the time I, I was, yeah, that's about right. Most of the time we put it in there and then, um, but I like, I like Ant's idea of, uh, a two-step process. If, if it exists in PDF form and electronic form, go ahead and download it and then chuck it in the recycling bin. So before I go to Allie, I'm going to give you a very brief parade of some of the things that I do have. This is for a electric toothbrush that oddly enough died on me this week. And I've got a new one coming in tomorrow. Uh, this is my, this is my gas powered Ryobi uh, weed eater that I don't use anymore. Uh, this is, weird. think about this, that you want, no, we're now we're getting ready to get weird. This is the Ryobi. This is the battery. This is a rechargeable battery and owner's manual. It's like, what the hell do you need to the instructions on how to, you plug it into the charger and your battery charges. Why do I have this? I don't know. Bluetooth boombox. I'm sure that that's a very intricate. You turn it on and you pair it and you're done with it. Uh, Vizio TV that, and then, um, and then a pressure washer. So those are just some of the pointless things that I have. Uh, Allie, I, I think you're somebody that is, I, I consider you somebody that's rather thrifty and you don't like nonsense like that. Am I correct? That is right. The only owner's manual I still have, which I actually had to pull out the other day, is the car manual because my kids left the car door open and I was like, oh, shit, how long does the light stay on inside? Am I going to have to replace my battery? Because if it's left on overnight, me thinking it's going to drain my car battery. But thank God it gets shut off after 10 minutes of the door being open. But that was the first time I've ever opened up an actual owner's manual. But yeah, anytime I get one, I recycle because... That's what you need to do, except if you're in Clarksville, can't recycle paper. I don't understand that. So I have to take it on on post to Fort Campbell to go recycle some paper. But the only thing I save are receipts if you can't upload them, which a lot of companies can't. As soon as you buy it with the warranty, you can scan it and upload your receipt. So it's all in some cloud in some way, shape or form. So you can just toss that stuff. Well, that that concludes the items that are in my desk for this week. There's plenty of more things and we could check them out some other time. I was just going to commiserate with Ali for a second. I have kids who I swear, like once every two months would leave a light on in the car and I wouldn't notice. Um, and I'd wake up the next morning and have to call Geico roadside assistance to get a jump start. And I went through many a battery on my car over time because of, you know, this is the sixth time this year that a light has been left on. I've got to get a jump start. And at some point the battery's like, I don't care how many times you're going to jump me. I'm just not going to hold that charge for you anymore. So yeah, I had to change my, yeah, I had to change my, cause I have a Tahoe. I had to change the battery cause it died in my garage and I didn't have jumper cables. My husband was at home. So I had to somehow figure out how to uninstall a battery to put the battery in, which is a really hard process for somebody with very weak arms. But yeah, I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to murder my children. I'm going to be one of these people because you didn't leave, you didn't shut the car door and you left my light on. But thankfully, yeah, I guess cars nowadays, you can, they just shut off because they know that kids will do that kind of thing. John, then Schweitz. I had a follow-up. You said your electric toothbrush broke. Did you buy the same model or did you go with a different model, a different brand, different technology? I was, I really did. I really did like this. I'll have to pull this out. Funny story, how I got this. This is a, I guess it's a Sterline Sonic Pulse toothbrush. It actually came to my office and it wasn't addressed to us. It had the wrong address. And we contacted Amazon and they said, yeah, just, just keep it. Don't bother sending it back. So it was like, so it was free. Uh, It was very good product. I don't believe they make it anymore. I've tried to buy replacement heads for it. I, and again, I've, I've been able to find knockoffs that have, have worked, 
but it stopped holding a charge just earlier this week. I can't, I would love to have bought the same thing because one of the neat features of it is it's got a little, a uh, little door. I keep on putting it down and I pick it back up, but this little handy compartment right here, the top of the toothbrush, you take it off and you put it in there and close it. And it has like a little blue light that disinfects your toothbrush every single day. So I, I really enjoyed that feature. And uh, the, the new one does not have that feature. So I will, I will plod on. Go ahead, Schweitz. What do you got? Oh, I, I was just going to say, uh, quite a few years ago, I bought a device for jump-starting my car. You can buy it on Amazon for like 40 bucks. It's just, it'll charge it up. It has jumper cables that attach to it. It's uh, a little bigger than a common phone, cell phone. And you could just have that. And it makes it really easy to jump your car when you're in cold weather like I am. I would just have an issue with my battery at times and until I got it changed. And yeah, so I highly recommend that. It's about 50 bucks, if I recall. But so, I recommend getting one if you have small kids. I, I had a, a device. My mom bought me one. It was probably about the length of like one of our torsos. Maybe not Schweitz's, but the rest of us. Um, but it did battery charging and had a power outlet. It had a pump. It had like nine different things on it. And I had that for a couple of years. And then I had used it so much that it didn't hold the charge anymore. <laughs> um, but the one you're talking about seems kind of cool because I've seen some of the ones that are smaller. and Yeah, they're really small, portable. Probably... You could leave it in the glove compartment. Yeah, just jump your car whenever you need it. A good investment, by the way. Three good shows so far this week as we record this. I don't have that many Lopics, but I do have to tell you this. The line of the week, perhaps the line of the year so far, uttered by Chris Cody at the and during the post game show of Monday, they decided to end the show after it because they did that was the funniest thing from the sports weekend. They just ended it when they started talking about black guy, white guy, and having a TV show, black guy, white guy, black guy, white guy. And he said, Of course, it needs to be moderated by Jim Gray. <laughs> Chef's kiss, just absolutely splendid. And just, oh, it just took down the house. Again, they ended the show with that. So thank you, Chris, for that. That was a good laugh. The other thing that I'll talk about is the only thing I have is Billy Corbin, who, again, John, this means more to you because you're down there living in it. But I am fascinated by the the goings-on of the local politics. Obviously, it's something that I'm interested in. I did disagree with one point that Billy Corbin made today as he talked about Miami and about local elections and about elections for municipalities being held on off years. And then he referred to the fact that all elections should take place during presidential years. Vehemently disagree. Uh, His point was it gets the highest participation, the highest number of people out. My personal feeling is, is that again, voting, you have the same number of voting days as far as advanced voting, the same opportunity to vote as in any election that is standard, whether they're municipal elections or, or presidential elections. And I would say that by putting local elections, who in a lot of cases, like in, in the city that i live and most other smaller municipalities, you don't have party affiliations by you, whereas all these other races typically do. So I think by spotlighting the local races in their own election, it should give them less clutter and an opportunity for people to get involved and understand who they are electing locally. Because honestly, and again, that's kind of my motivation, you can be much more impactfully locally or whoever you're electing locally is going to have a much bigger impact on your life than anybody who's representing you at a state and a national level. Yeah, I agree. I agree because I feel like sometimes when you have a presidential election, people are involved in that. They they understand they're going to vote. They don't, But like the other six things you're voting for, they don't necessarily have taken the time to understand what's going on and they, and they vote for Maybe they vote for a name they recognize. Maybe they vote for the, the person who's the incumbent. Maybe they vote for all D's or all R's. Who knows? But it doesn't seem like they're as necessarily 
invested. I mean, some people are invested and then some people are not. And so I think having local elections in off years actually works because you're going to get people who are really, you know, either feel their civic duties to vote and understand what they're doing, or they just want to really be impactful for the local elections versus at a national level. You can get a lot more people voting, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily any more knowledgeable what they're voting on necessarily, even if it is going on in their town, their city, their state, that kind of thing. So. No, I I disagree. The the voting numbers bear that out, that that's not the case. People don't get involved, right? So uh, what you would like to happen is different than what actually happens, right? Yeah, I would also like that the, the local electorate would get more involved and would think that this, inf- uh, you know, affects them. And uh, But what Billy Corbin, what he said was, if we're trying to increase the participation, you know, so people will go out and vote more often, in these elections to have them on these off years. Also, there's also fatigue that happens after presidential election. Oh, we're going through this again, all that. So I, I disagree. I think it should be all on one for the local stuff. You don't necessarily need to put the D or the R next to them. But, and as far as what can, what affects you locally versus federally, I don't know that that's, that's also, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. A lot of stuff that happens federally, you know, can affect not just you, but but perhaps even society at large, which is you know something that doesn't necessarily affect me personally, but these other larger issues really do affect me, like in terms of what I want in a society, what I want in a country, what I want that way. Um, we can talk a little bit more about what happens down here if you want, but I'll let other people chime in. I just think it would say it would be hard to have a local election every four years. That just seems like way too much time between between things occurring at the local level. Now, maybe you could do it on a presidential and two years later. But I just think waiting once every four years for a local election for most stuff seems like a long amount of time. Let me jump in and know. then I'm going to throw it to Schweitz. Uh, the other point that he made was about having, he was opposed to staggered elections. And I'll give you an example. In our, in our community, the mayor runs every two years and then there's six city council members. Well, those council members run every four years. And so every every two years, I've got three council members on the ballot with me. So every two years, the, ba- the majority, the four out of the seven that are elected are up for re-election. So if things are going horribly wrong, you could flip the majority every two years. And I think it is important to have staggered elections so that you do have not a total fruit basket turnover in those cases. But anyway, Schweitz, I jumped in front because I want to make that point. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't mind. Uh, I mean, I found growing up in Ohio that you had, a le- you know, you went to the polls every year. You might go for different things, but there was something on the ballot, something being voted for uh, either federally, state, local at, you know, every year. And I find it really annoying where there's a lot of get out and vote and things like that, where it's just like they just want numbers. They just want people to go. And I always find that's very misleading because you need to be educated when you vote. Just going in and checking a box or punching a thing and not knowing anything about you know, you're just going off of name recognition or, or anything like that isn't necessarily helpful for society either. So I always just think it's important to point out people should educate themselves at least to a minuscule degree as opposed to just picking random people's names or name recognition. Allie, do you have anything or are you going to just... Well, so I know I was just going to let the men talk. Well, I stopped listening to them because it was just so Miami heavy. So I'll just put that up front. But it just seems like Miami is super fucked up just based on all the ones I have heard up until this point. And it just made me think of like the town I'm in. Our biggest drama we've had when it comes to anything being voted on the public is my neighborhood is half named after um, Gone with the Wind references and half with military helicopters. So one street was named Mammy 
after the character in Gone with the Wind and they wanted to change it. They, uh, the, the councilmen and women and the neighbors were all sorts of pissed off. How dare you? It's not offensive. This is what they call blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, actually, it's kind of offensive if you look into the history of it. And it's just changing a damn road sign. It's like not that big of a deal. And they changed it to Hattie named after the actress that played her, which I think is a very classy thing to do. But it was just was. like, this is like front page of the Clarksville Now newspaper of, oh my God, they're changing my street name from Miami to Hattie. How dare them? And it's just funny to compare that to like Miami, which is, oh my God. Oh my God. We're a mess. mess. That's for sure. I can tell you. Um, I happen to live in a, in a little, in a little city inside Miami. So uh, it's the same city the university of Miami is in. It's called uh, Coral Gables. That itself also has issues, but not the level of corruption that the greater city of Miami does and the Miami-Dade County does. It's it's an interesting listen. He's not wrong when he says that this is like a, like a banana republic, like a third world country and the intimidation and how things are, are almost inherited, like in terms of, of power. And uh, it's it, and it is very much like a mafia. So um, it is interesting. I I, uh, I would say go ahead and have a, even though it's Miami centric, the stuff that he says is happens to be true, and it really makes you like uh, scratch your head and and leave your mouth uh, gaping when you hear what's actually happening. I mean, the the commissioner's in charge of of certain things, but he cannot fire the 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 chief of police but the um i believe it's the city may the city manager can fire the chief of police so the commissioner puts pressure or or i'm sorry uh basically strong arms the city manager to fire the chief of police and this isn't the first time it's happened in miami because he can't directly fire him he doesn't have the power but he does have the indirect power to to lean on the city manager who can then fire. And that that's exactly what happened. The guy who was brought in to eliminate corruption was taken down by that corruption or taken out, I should say. All right. Who has another topic from the enough of the Miami politics stuff? Sorry about that, but I am passionate about it. And John, thanks for the, uh, for the deeper clarification of that Schweitz, what do you have this week? Uh, I have what we should have let off with, and that is if you are listening to this podcast right now and have not done so yet, you need to go out and pre-order Shea Serrano's book, Hip Hop and Other Things. You need to post a screenshot that you have purchased it, and you need to tag Shea Serrano and Lauer After Hours in that screenshot. Thank you very much. Uh, The other topic that I was going to talk about had to do with uh, John Gruden's emails and the investigation going on with, with him. Uh, more so on the investigation side, because I find this stuff interesting. My wife is a lawyer um, who works with these groups that will do large scale email analysis. So in this case, you know, in the Washington football team's case, they're looking for, you know, they're investigating the culture of the team, seeing if there's any laws and all that stuff. My wife's stuff is more uh, like mergers and acquisitions. You're seeing if people are sharing information incorrectly and, and things like that to but same processes and how that works is there's a team of anywhere from 15 to hundreds of people and they get, you know, millions of emails from these companies. They then program them into a system, use that for search criteria, look for information and sort of just pick and choose like this one works, this one doesn't, they put in key terms and eventually it leads to a a certain amount of results. Those results are then picked, you know, read through, more, you know, by people scrutinized, 
more like that. And uh, that's how they come across these e emails. So in the Washington Redskins uh, or Washington football teams, excuse me, uh, case, I'm sure they were looking up uh, some of those buzzwords that John Gruden was using, and that's how he got flagged. So I just wanted to share that a little bit. So I have a question, Sway. Yeah. Um, are you married to Ted Wells? No. Okay. Just checking. I, I do think that is, I do think it is fascinating when you, when you hear 650 emails that they're going through that has all this over 10 years, the only part relative to the NFL. And, and again, there's, there's stuff on this phone. I'm sure from the last 10 years that, you know, that made nothing to that, to that uh, degree, but you know, there's certainly things that I think that we all have. So I'm not trying to, I live in a glass house. I'm not going to start throwing stones, but I do think it's the part that's interesting to me. It's all of a sudden, I mean, this guy has, they've got seven years of data uh, and now the NFL is going to bend over backwards to patch them, pat themselves on the back about, Hey, look, we're cleaning this up. And here's this one guy who they know is going to, he wasn't even the, the, the object of the investigation. So then you hire the guy that replaced him as a guy that had been with him for 11 years. Well, if he's been with Gruden for 11 years, and again, I don't know the man, but you would have to think that he was privy to, if this behavior was prevalent, this guy had to have seen or maybe even participated uh, in some of that same type of thought process or activity. You would, you would think. So I don't know. It, it's, it turns into a, and I, I did like what uh, Derek Carr, the quarterback said today. And again, I, I've, Personally, I believe John Gruden uh, needs to go away and not be heard from. Uh, I am not. I'm not apologizing. I'm not. I'm not an apologist for him at all. But I, I would. He's Derek Carr's words were, "I love the man and I hate the sin." And uh, you know, we all know people in our lives that we say, "Oh, they're a good person," and then end up doing something that's less than admirable. And it doesn't make means that they're a terrible person. It's just a person that's done a terrible thing. And sometimes there's redemption on the other end of that. And sometimes there's not this one, I think, given the pattern and the time frame and the content, it's going to be tough. Uh, well, the thing I was going to say is for me, some of the stuff beyond the abhorrent sexism and racism and all that stuff, like he was against and homophobic language to, to be, to be full. Um, he was against like concussion protocols and other stuff that just seemed like common sense. Like he really wants to be a Neanderthal and like that in some ways, I think also needs to be eradicated. You know, like he, he just like almost no regard for anyone else who was sort of below him on the totem pole as far as where he talked about them, the way he thought about them and even caring that whether they were healthy, safe, et cetera. That just also sort of was an ancillary point in some ways because everyone was focused on what he said about Goodell and what he said about the more Smith and talking about women and all that. Like, but in many ways, he's just like a Neanderthal. And like, he just seems to be from, you know, I don't know if I got in time exactly is the way to say it, but like, you know, these are ideas that have long since sort of been thought about like, no, we can't continue to act this way. And, you know, for him to be acting this way as recently as 2018 just seems like, I agree with you, Mary, he needs to go away and not be heard from. But well, as we've all seen, there's going to be a redemption story because even our bras got redemption. The, the transgression, and again, one's not worse than the other, but the one that was the most shocking to me was, I guess, is the one that's been out there that I just didn't know about was that the the Washington cheerleaders, uh, their photos of themselves that had gotten passed around and that he was 
somehow associated or part of that. And since we've, since we've brought up females, Allie, it's time to go to you again. Oh, yay. Great. Speaking for all females, but uh, so, yeah, so I have like two thoughts on just the wide scope of everything. So there was a video that popped up. I don't know if it was yesterday or today when Gritty used to do his like quarterback room and he would have a quarterback in there and he would like go through film and all that. Well, I was watching one with him and Johnny Manziel and Johnny Manziel was talking about, you know, I'm not the guy I used to be, you know, I was, you know, I had these problems and these issues, but I've gotten better. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm here to play football. I'm here to focus on football and get a win for my guys and all that. And Green was just like, yeah, I don't want to see you on the front page of the paper or on my television, not about football and having all these issues. And it's just like, hmm, it was just him basically in a costume, just playing this one thing. You thought he was this one person and it turns out he's this whole other person in private and it's just it's just such an unfortunate situation and it's just he's just so gross and i I just wonder who all like who else is going to go down with the ship when it comes to this because it it can't like with him sending emails to basically every, any every chicken franchise owner in the history of north america having these discussions there's there's got to be more and i just wonder who's gonna who else is gonna go down with the ship when it comes to it which leads me to the adam schefter talk that they had to that they had today and smetty and dan were going back and forth about what's the definition of journalism and is it insider journalism versus actual journalism and does like the normal person actually care and i mean i don't really care i just assume that all journalists kind of did that you got to have your sources and you got to protect your sources and you need your information you're going to get it by any means necessary like of course this is how Woj gets his information of course this is how Schefter gets his information you buddy up to the top of the food chain and you will get whatever you want if you give them just a little bit and then yeah I just assume that's how it always was well, before we'll, we'll put a bow on this with a comedic note that uh, the person that's really hurting all this is Frank Caliendo. So let's let's not let's not forget Pour that. one out for him. But 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 now we'll pass it back around, John, to you, and then to Ant. Continue on Allie's thought. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, expand a little bit about that. I think their their point wasn't so much you buddy up with them and and protect your sources. I think the problem here was the conflict of interest, right? And they made a larger point, which resonated with me, which is things like this erode the confidence in in real journalism. And I think they said, listen, in journalism school, they teach you that if you feel conflicted, that's a conflict of interest right there, just by you doing it. So go ahead and abstain from, from doing that. Uh, and that this is what's happened now to, to Adam Schefter. Now, everything that he reports is going to have that air of who actually wrote this with what, with what angle, with, uh, in, because I forget who mentioned it on the show. Yeah. The job of the reporter is to report the, the facts, not one way or the other. And, uh, this seems like it was more than just, Hey, you know, why don't you pr- proofread this just to make sure that everything you s- that you told me was right, was right. This was more like, you know, sounds like it was like, Hey, Make sure this is to your liking so that you can continue to give me these insider information. And and when you have that those uh potential conflicts of interest, even if they even if they're not conflicts of interest, the fact that that, that cloud is over your head uh makes is gonna make the reader question everything uh, going forward. Don, you and I are so simpatico in this. I, I completely agree. I I'm not someone who has to who has ever sat on refreshing Schefter's page or Shams's page or Woj's page. I don't need to know the moment something happens necessarily. But I will definitely tell you I lost respect to hear that he sent the full printout of something he was writing 
to the guy he was writing about. That to me seemed a step too far. I get you got to buddy up. I get every so often you might have to leave out a point, but to me that's different or or that's expected or that's known. But I don't think if you had told me yesterday what they said today, which is Schefter sent an article or something that he was writing full on to the guy he was writing about to proofread, I would have I would have been shocked because I thought Schefter was better than that. So for me, that was definitely a negative that I did not expect. But again, as I started this, I'm not someone who has to sit on every single refresh and know who the signing is ASAP. I enjoy it. I, I want to know the details, but I don't know ASAP. So maybe I'm not Schefter's target audience, but I certainly didn't like that part of it, similar to what John was saying. But I get what you're saying, Ali. You totally do have to make friends with them and do good things and, and be on their good side and you know, every so often probably not write something that they don't want you to write about. But I think going to the fact of having him proofread it, even if he's a great editor, just seems a step too far for me. I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not. I, yeah, I just want to clarify that. I'm not saying that I agree like that. That's a that's a good business practice. I'm just saying that I just assume that's how it was done because people are super shady. And that's how no, you get anything done in fine. today's in today's economy is your network. I don't disagree. Super shady I would have looked at Shefton and said he's not shady in that way. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I'm just naive in, in my thought process there. I mean, I don't think I really ever consider Adam Schefter a journalist. I don't consider Woj a journalist in that way. A lot of what they're reporting is transaction-based, or I always thought of them as like, you're pre- they're presenting what whatever one of these reps wants to tell them. They're not, you know, this isn't a, it's, they're not giving out think pieces. They're not writing out. They're, they're just sort of relaying facts. I find that like, yeah, it's, shitty to send somebody the article to proofread but at the same time it's just like if he's doing it in the context of can you just check this over to make sure i'm accurate before i report this because i'm working for whoever's you know i'm building these relationships i just never i don't think of them like i don't think of them as pure journalists because they're you know presenting transactions or they're presenting you know facts in the in their their sports players it doesn't matter they're not you know he never you know if he reports on somebody who just got a DUI he says he got a DUI and that the league's looking into it that's there's no real room for he's not defending anyone there he's not saying this person should be expelled from the league because of this he's literally just passing along information like that and it just seems like a different level of journalism to me now i don't know everything he does i don't follow his podcast i don't I'm not in the States. I don't follow him that often, but that's how it always has come across to me. I, I think another point that got lost when they were making it, but they made it, it was the blurring of all these people who are posting conjecture and rumors and stuff. And then, and then they get, they get this false equivalency of being journalist, right? This guy is a journalist. The, 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 it was an article. It wasn't a tweet that he was formulating. It was an article that he was writing as a journalist. I don't know the man. I don't follow the man. I don't listen for Schefter bombs or Woj bombs or anything like that. I'm, I'm not a fan like that. But if you're going to claim to be a journalist, then then act like one. If you're not going to be a journalist, then be a tweeter and, and an influencer and whatever it else you want to be. But don't play it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. So going forward after the, you know, and if you're going to ask, hey, are these facts, uh, you know, accurate you you go you basically you send your editor the article you don't send the guy you're you're writing about or the issue you're talking about to him if there are facts that need to be verified 
you verify them, verify them with him maybe, but you don't send the whole article. You send the whole article because you, you want to make sure that he's okay with that. And that that's a no-no in journalism. You you basically should have, you know, if, if, if it's not the first time, uh, you should have it, uh, your, your, your journalism card revoked. All right. So I'm going to give you a scenario to try to change all of your minds. And the scenario is this, you know, if you're trying not to do gotcha journalism, and you're trying to make sure that you have attribution for a story and that you're providing both sides. I know the radio station that I manage, we don't, again, we do this. We don't do gotcha journalism. If somebody calls and has a claim of, let's say it's something against the sheriff and they have some kind of documented proof that something has gone awry, again, pulling this out in, in the jail, we will prepare that part of it and say, all right, sheriff, this claim is being made. Instead of just writing this story, we want to hear what your side is or your version of the facts to this. And that way you're presenting both sides, as long as there's attribution and there's not any form of bias. Now, this story is a little bit different and difficult, but here, here's a scenario to which I think he would have been working. If there's a story that he needs Bruce Allen as the source to be able to do a good job in reporting a story, if, he's, if, if Bruce Allen trusts him enough and he says, look, I need, I want to source you on this. I want to speak to you directly about this. And before it comes out, I'm going to give you some latitude. To, I'm going to let you look it over before we go to make sure that you have sign off that all this stuff is accurate. So when he refers to him as Mr. Editor, I think that was a part that had everybody a little bit thrown off that he referred to him as Mr. Editor, but had he referred to him as Mr. Allen, or if he'd referred to him as Bruce, now you're going, oh, look, he's buddy-buddy with him if he's calling him Bruce, if he's calling him Mr. Allen. And John, I understand you feel differently, but here's the thing is by allowing him to look at it and at least verify that the words that he wanted attributed to him, if he disagreed with him, and and we've done this before, it's like, well, you know, no, 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 I, I really would prefer that you didn't say that. It's like, well, this is on the record. This was said, or this was in an open meeting. I'm sorry, we're going to use it. So when you say editing, it's verifying to make sure that when you're quoted, you're being quoted accurately. But I would think there's a, there is a distinction between going, hey, I don't need you to say this, that I was over here having drinks with this woman that's not my wife. It's like, well, we've got a photograph of that. and We've got the woman telling me that you're doing it. So we, unfortunately, we have to report that. So I, I do think there is a lane for journalistic integrity by going to the people who are actually the sources and giving them a little bit of leeway to review it before you have uh, before you release the article, if you've got that agreement ahead of time. I think you make a good point there, Mayor. I would just, and for me, it didn't remove all of Schefter's credibility, but it sort of made me say, hmm, is he, it made me think, is he too buddy-buddy? Now, you brought up a great scenario that's probably an accurate one that tons of journalists or tweeters or whatever probably come across. But there's a, wait a second, it, there's a, there's a difference between journalism, journalists and tweeters. Well, again, journalists are, in, I, I just want to make that distinction because there is a, no, no, there no. is a, a skill to being attributing and not having a slant versus people that, that call no, no, sorry. When I social media say tweeters, I meant tweeters like Shams, Woj, Schefter that in theory have other aspects to themselves. They're not just out here tweeting innuendo. That's what I meant when I said, you know, journalism and tweeters. I meant like those two groups of people. Attributed tweeters, blue check tweeters, whatever the right way to say is someone like, like I said, Woj, Shams, Schefter, that in theory have more behind them. It just was, I didn't expect to hear it to the level, maybe, and maybe they played it up, you know, to, to make it more controversial. It just seemed, it seemed less than what I had hoped was going to happen, but you know, anyway, go ahead, Allie. 
So when I read the Mr. Editor thing, the first thing that popped into my mind, and it completely has ruined the whole story for me, is that the first thing I thought of was the Marilyn Monroe singing to John F. Kennedy for his birthday. So all I hear is like, happy birthday, Mr. Editor. Happy birthday to you. And so it killed the story for me. I love that. John, go ahead. Tear me apart. Well, it was kind of a present for him, wasn't it? So I I just have to, uh, again, disagree there because, uh, well, let let me first give the the operating open kimono. I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to journalism school. Um, So all these are just kind of thoughts and then regurgitation of what I've heard. But I think if we listen to the people who are real journalists and if they tell you it's objectionable or and and why it's objectionable and why it goes against um, the the ethos of of journalism and and the rules that that they were taught, then I think I think it's a safe assumption that what he did was you know uh, a no no in journalism and it, it does kind of tarnish his credibility that that and it's a slippery slope because. Yeah, you you want attributes. You want to make sure that your your facts are correct. But that's uh, as that's a bridge too far to 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 give him editorial rights. Those he's basically giving his his the rights to th- that his editor should be doing. He's farming out his editor's job to the guy who he's writing the story about. And it's just it, it even sounds wrong, right? It, it it just doesn't even sound right. So, but in this case, like I said, I'm not I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to journalism school. So I'm gonna listen to the journalists who are and who are telling me, yo, this is a big no-no, this is a big infraction. All right. Well, the 2013 Georgia Broadcaster of the Year is just going to feel differently. And that's okay. We could all, we could still like each other and not get along. Matter of fact, next week, John, and this is kind of a recurring theme for you and I, I do think next week we need to, we need to have a, come up with topics. I want the rest of the mentions to come up with topics and let's find something that you and I agree on. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Well, you know what, what's in our drawers? Let's see if we can find something that's the same <laughs> that's, in our drawers. We could find, that's right. We could do I mean, that. our cabin, you know, or well, yeah, stick to each other. Right, drawers. Yeah. That's a Which good drawers, way to find John? common ground, isn't it? All right. Well, that's going to do it for your, the uh, idea. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's edition of Midweek Mentions. Want to make sure you check out all the other Lauer After Hours products that we've got, including kind of the pseudo part of us. Yes, maybe Noah's is back with Streeter and, and Yeti. They did a good job with that at Greg Cody on this week. But uh, we've got La- Laughter the Club. We've got uh, Cinema is out there now, post-post game. A whole lot of stuff in the Lauer After Hours family. Also, you can get merchandise at shop.lauerafterhours.com. So uh, we'll, we'll end with this. John, where can people find you on Twitter? At Jeremy Taché, and that's Taché, not Tash, like they said in the show. (laughs) Allie. Yelling at people on Twitter about this stupid TikTok challenge about destroying shit in bathrooms. I've had to take my kid to piss on a tree every time I go to the park for soccer practice. Kids, stop stealing shit out of bathrooms so they can open them back up and I can piss on a toilet. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Literal shirt. announcement. Schweitz. I'm in Canada. And at Diana on Twitter. S-T-A. I-A-N-O. And how about you, Mayor? Uh, very good. I'm at Santini Matt on Twitter. Uh, go Braves! National League Championship Series. Fantastic there. That's going to do it for this Ooh. week's edition of Midweek Benches. That's okay, Ant. There's always next year. If you get your Yankees to spend a little money, maybe they'll they'll be no. a little better at baseball. They don't know how to spend money. That's the problem. Uh, no, they just got to cheat better. Good Aaron cheap Boone better. will help you out next year. So have right. a great week. We'll see you next week on Midweek Benches right here as part of the Lauer After Hours family. Bye, Shea Serrano's book.